Welcome to the Staying Free podcast. In this episode, I talk with Ryan Raleigh. Ryan is someone who is quite a prominent member of the kind of freedom community. I'm sure a lot of you will know him. It was great to finally be able to actually have a proper conversation. As with all my guests on the show, or at least most of them, they're people that I've never talked to before. So it's really good to be able to actually give a voice to people who normally are just coming through in 280 characters. As I've said before, I think that we do have a strong community and what I'm trying to do with this podcast is kind of give a voice to people within it. And I'm sure that a lot of you will be interested to hear Ryan in a different format and to air his thoughts on a number of issues. So we go into a few things from obviously the big thing at the moment being the Russia-Ukraine conflict, which me and Ryan, neither of us have particularly strong views on it in terms of the actual nuances of the conflict and neither of us really profess to fully understand it. But of course, that being the big issue, we do discuss it a little bit. We talk about first principles, uh, you know, personal philosophy and self-development and all that other good stuff. So I hope you enjoy the episode. And as always, feel free to reach out with any feedback you might have on Twitter. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's uh, nice to be catching up after two years of interacting on Twitter. I think it's been over two years now. Yeah, I think it has. Um, rather than me giving an intro uh, as to where we kind of first got connected, why don't you um, tell everyone your background? I know that a lot of people are going to know you already, but um, yeah, go ahead and just give a brief introduction as to yourself. Yeah, I feel like um, people probably know me from probably more of my opinions around the whole COVID narrative and memes that I often share around <laughs> Twitter. I, I think I think I probably first found you back in the uh, KBF days, <laughs> Key Britain Free. I know a lot of people would usually like call that and I, there probably is a lot of controversy around it, but I feel like a lot of us did find each other down to that group. So I always think that's probably the good thing that came out of it. A lot of people did connect when it came to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the early days because I didn't really use Twitter much before the whole COVID thing. I was on there occasionally, had my account, and then like I kind of went to Twitter because <laughs> I weren't really getting anyone thinking what I was thinking when I was speaking outside. Um, usually on Facebook, I spent most of my time before. So I kind of like just popped in on Twitter and noticed all these people kind of like talking about how things didn't seem right. And it just, yeah, kind of went from there. But then at that point, I started connecting with people on there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it seems that there's quite a lot of people actually who literally made a Twitter account purely uh, around the time when the whole COVID stuff was kicking off. Like that, that wasn't the case for me. I definitely started using it a bit more, but um, that's pretty amazing that you've managed to amass like over 20K followers like to, in two years. Like that's, you know, there's definitely a lot of signal there if you're getting that many followers. Yeah, it's still like really like overwhelming at times, really. Like I still don't know how I've grasped that many followers because it's like obviously and wasn't using it to kind of like gain that kind of traction. It was just kind of like started connecting with people and speaking out and putting thoughts out there. And it just, yeah, kind of grew rapidly. That, but I don't know if it's because it was early doors and I feel like some of those accounts gained traction early on because people started noticing them, the ones that were speaking out. But yeah, it's been a it's been a bit of a weird ride, but yeah, it's always been good. <laughs> I actually have a theory on that because I think right at the beginning, first of all, you were really, really early on talking about some of these things, which became popular. But I remember like 
there was, it seemed like a really small handful of us who were talking about this stuff in the really early days, who were all kind of still connected. But obviously now there's a much, much bigger movement that's grown. But I think, first of all, you seemed very, very early um, onto this whole kind of topic and talking about it. So there wasn't so many people there um, to kind of choose from. It was a smaller kind of like market, I guess. Um, but also, you know, what something that I've noticed about your tweets and the kind of content that you're putting out there is that you never get, how do I phrase this? You never get, seem like it's coming from an emotional point of view. Like you're always very, very measured and your words are picked quite carefully. And that's why I was joking to you before that I want to call it, that I want to call this episode the Tao of Ryan Raleigh because like you do seem to have a kind of vibe about you that's just like not getting sucked into the madness and just having a, a much more kind of, yeah, measured approach to, to talking about these issues. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I think that was probably one of the reasons why I didn't get on Twitter too much beforehand. Because like, whenever I went on there, it was like, I think was it Joe Rogan that like once said it was like being in a mental hospital with just people throwing shit at each other. It was like because it, it can get like really crazy. Like, it, you, you just get the extremes of everything, don't you? And I try and not take that approach and get sucked in. Like, even if I've got a strong view on something, like just like think a little bit about how you word it before you put it out there or like try and phrase it in a way that might actually get someone thinking rather than just like feel like an attack on someone like if I can get someone thinking sometimes a bit more like just by asking a simple question or just yeah. putting a simple point out there rather than this is definitely it this is one I'm 100% right sometimes I might not be right either so it's kind of like I just try and think about how I'm putting it across yeah, yeah, I think that's a good approach. And that's something that I always feel like I'm struggling with is that quite often, like my, my emotional state when I'm deciding to tweet is like, I'm angry or triggered or whatever. It's like, that's when I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm picking up the phone, I want to tweet about this. But that's actually exactly the wrong emotional state you want to have when you're making a tweet. Because actually, if you want to have um, a really good impact, and you want people to think you don't just want to seem like a kind of a, tra a crazy kind of angry, triggered person, right? So, um, yeah, I think you do well in, in the way that you kind of present yourself. And a lot of people obviously, like, connect with it. Like, your, your tweets go, like, just, you get a lot of traction on them, right, really. You know, considering that, obviously, 20, 20K followers or whatever is um, still a pretty good following. But I would say that your kind of, your rate of actual interaction on there in terms of, you know, how far your tweets go is, like, really, really impressive. So, um, yeah, man, I think that's definitely a credit to, you know, the, the takes that you're actually putting out there. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's weird, like how far some games are. Like we all have them. Like where we tweet emotionally. Like I still have a couple of them, but I've like I've tried backing off so much from it. Like I think, especially in the early days, said we went back now. Not so much my tweets, but when you start jumping in and debating with some people, and you know that they're not in there for the debate, and they're just like, I've, I've probably got some pretty heated arguments back in like <laughs> my like of like April, May, twenty twenty with some people. And I just, I just, I think sometimes it just starts draining you emotionally a little bit and then you, you find yourself angry all the time. You're like, no, I just need to step away from this just to my own mental clarity. Try and not get yeah. too involved. If someone's genuinely up for having, having a discussion about something or a bit of an honest debate, then I don't mind that. But as soon as it's like, oh, you just, you're this, you're that. I'm like, no, I'm out. <laughs> I've just, I've yeah. tried not even responding to people like that now. Just because I don't even think it's just not even worth the energy getting involved sometimes. 
Well, I've also noticed that you've kind of made, made a really nice transition between the kind of stuff that you used to tweet about. It seemed like there was almost a point maybe towards the end of 2021 that you went from talking a lot about like uh, COVID-related stuff and, yeah, I, I guess like talking about issues of freedom and, and rights and stuff. And then you went kind of very much down the path of like motivation and like personal philosophy and stuff. Was that like a change that had happened in your life that spawned that? Or did you just think, look, you know, I'm closing the book on this, I'm moving in a new direction? Because it definitely seems like you've gone down another path now with the kind of um, content you're putting out. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, I think like personal development and that all that kind of stuff and like motivation and being self-driven is kind of something I've been in for years and like watching content, reading and all that. And I kind of thought as it was coming to what I could see as I feel like this COVID narrative is going to wind down at some point. I thought you then start thinking about, well, what's the after effects of all this? Because there's going to be people out there struggling and maybe finding things hard and pushing forward on the other side. And I feel like I know a lot of people I was listening to and speaking to are like, they want to help people and that's why they're putting stuff out there. And I thought, well, I might as well try and contribute to that where I can and try and help people where I can if anyone listens to my tweets. I've got a bit of an audience now, so try and like push some good stuff out that people might be able to use yeah definitely i mean because this is kind of something that i'm trying to do with the podcast at the moment as well because i do feel like i started this off the back of you know really feeling like there was um a community out there that was deserving of a podcast and generally we've kind of all connected really through having similar opinions on the covid stuff but i i actually think that similar to, to, to what you just said there, like the COVID stuff seems to be a springboard for actually developing your personal philosophy because it's like, I think there's a, there's something about being contrarian on, a, on an issue where most people think you're wrong. Most people are telling you, you know, your opinions are wrong and you know you're out and you just want to kill granny and stuff. And actually having to stand firm in those convictions builds character. Um, and that's kind of, you know, something that I want to take forward now is like, okay, we, we've been through this thing, we've we found each other as a community, and a lot of people have developed a stronger um, personal philosophy, like, where do we go from here? Like, what do we build into the future? So I kind of am trying to do something somewhat similar in the same way. Like, I think we've talked a lot about the COVID stuff, definitely in my previous episodes, but now I'm like, I'm ready to kind of like say, okay, like, what, where do we go from here, right? Like, how do we, what's the next step for this community we've built? Because I, I don't think that it, it should fizzle out, but I also don't think that it will fizzle out. It seems to me that like the community is, is remained very strong. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know whether there's a question in there, but it's more, more just like, yeah, I, I kind of totally agree with that mentality basically. I think absolutely like, um, just trying to think of the best way to work, but like, yeah, they've got this community and then I think there's a lot of people looking to, some of our accounts and things like that because we were so early on. And I feel like, I don't know about you personally, but like some of the people I've spoken to have like been through some sort of previous like personal struggle or maybe they've seen like stuff like this before and they've managed to overcome it. And I feel like, I don't know whether like the lies, deception stuff, that's why some people have seen it so early on because they've got that personal experience. But then I feel like as well, we're not going to return to pre-COVID days and you kind of then got to start looking at well, what do we want like, the future to look like because as things come like essentially crashing down I reckon 
if you're not going to build or be part of building something better going forward, then you're just leaving the door open for the people that crashed in the first place to build whatever it is they want. Yeah, that is a really, really good way of putting it. I think you've articulated something that I've not really been able to put into words myself, but that's a really good um, way of way of phrasing it. Like, it's almost like we, we know now there's a lot of people out there um, who have tried to push a really, really tyrannical kind of world. And it's like, if we don't now kind of continue this, um, those people, even though we've kind of caught them red-handed in a sense, it's like, unless we kind of take it to the next step and we become the, I don't want to say thought leaders, because I think that thought leaders is, you know, kind of a bit of a egotistical term or, you know, it's just kind of like blowing smoke up, <laughs> blowing smoke up my own ass slash our own asses. But like, I, I guess what I, what I mean is more like, we have to continue um, like try, trying to shape things into the future because in my opinion, like we're the only ones who have actually had a consistent um, kind of philosophy or, or a, a kind of philosophy that um, throughout this process, we've not just kind of lost ourselves and lost all sense of um, moral code because in the face of this uh, virus and therefore like we kind of have the moral conviction for the next thing that comes along and even if the next thing doesn't come along, just like we need to kind of, you know, keep raising our voices up because like you said, otherwise, if we just let the the people who have who lost um, all sense of reason, they will uh, be the people, the, the shapers of the future. If we don't if we don't step up to that role, I guess. Yeah, 100 percent. And obviously you can kind of see the next thing kind of happening now with the whole like Ukraine and Russia war thing. It's just so obvious that like again we're being like lied and manipulated too and then it's a bit disappointing because you see some people like who kind of started seeing the COVID thing at the end they've been kind of like suckered straight back in to the whole like Putin bad Ukraine good and then like on the flip side you're seeing some of those people like kind of like the black pill type and it's like the believe Putin's saving us from the NWO whereas I'm kind of don't think Putin's a good guy and I also don't see Ukraine as good because there's so much, like, when you start looking into, like, what's going on in Ukraine over, like, the last few years, but it's it feels like we're kind of back at COVID stage one again. You just literally, as soon as you ask a question, you've just got people jumping at you, and it's like, oh, you can't say that, you can't say that. Like, these people are, like, at war, and it's like, well, I'm not against the Ukrainian people, I'm just against probably what the government have been doing, and it's clearly some sort of, deception going on here because we're being lied to again so you should yes. be able to ask these questions before it gets because if it's like this time it could inevitably be worse because if we get suckered into the war and you get the support of the people behind it and we agree to it yeah well this actually really nicely brings me to this point because i was hoping i would get a chance to read one of your tweets and you've queued me up quite nicely for it so you tweeted uh like a week ago or so the only way I can see this war ending anytime soon is if soldiers from both sides realize they're being played like pawns in a game of chess and refuse to play. I really, really like that tweet. Um, I think that, you know, this is, this is the thing, because my, my, my opinion on the whole Ukraine and Russia thing, I don't actually have particularly strong opinion in any direction because I don't profess to really understand the entire conflict. Um, so at this stage, and you know, maybe, maybe there will come a time in the future where I'll be like, okay, I have more to, to say on it. But at this point, like, I don't have particularly strong opinion either way. But but it's assumed that you should have to um, be really, really supportive of, of Ukraine. And of course, Putin's evil. And of course, this is happening. And maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the case. 
But given what we know about the media's ability to manipulate um, facts, um, I don't jump to that immediate conclusion. Like until I've actually done my fair amount of um, research and independent investigation, I'm not going to really have a strong opinion either way. That doesn't mean that I'm going to support Russia or, or, or whether I even will support anyone eventually. But I think that what your tweet did, just to, to loop it back around, um, is it kind of gets to this point that like, ultimately, I think that this is kind of like a struggle of people versus their governments. It's kind of existing power structures, like entrenched power structures versus the individual. And just as you say, like, we can all just opt out of this. Like, it doesn't matter what you believe about it, whether you support um, Russia or whether you support Ukraine. Most people would agree we support the innocent individuals who are being pulled into this war, which they don't want to do, which they don't want to be pulled into. And um, that's always the side I'm going to take is I'm going to say to take the side of the people. And, um, you know, uh, ultimately, if we all opt out, there is a possibility we can avoid war, but people need to recognize their own power. Um, you know, there's that famous, um, there's that famous meme, or it's, I don't even know if you call it a meme, it's just kind of like a, a piece of art where um, people are sat around playing a kind of game of chess, and they're playing it on the backs of people who are kind of like underneath it. And um, it says something like, you know, all the people need to do is stand up and all of the pawns fall to the ground. And I think that really is kind of, people need to, to recognize that power in themselves because that's the only way that we're gonna avoid the next massive crisis, which ultimately um, it's the individuals who pay a heavy price for what their governments are doing. Yeah, 100%, I know which picture you want about as well because I've seen it quite a few times. I'd be interested to know where that actually comes from because it's quite iconic really when you think about it, but yeah, 100%, like, it's like literally the whole same thing, like, kind of where it comes from with, like, what a lot of us said with COVID, it's just kind of like, and I think, if anything, COVID was a lot easier to do with the whole, don't say no, like, this could lead to, to me, to something, like, much worse, but again, it, it, it needs that point of just saying no, because it's like, nobody, like, other than people in the government and everything, like who really wants to be at war? No, no one does. Like, I, I don't know many people in Russia are that fussed about taking over you. Like, like I'm kind of like you. I, I don't really 100% know the full facts and understand stuff's been going on. But you can guarantee neither people, neither of the people want to be at war. Like, if you, if you take away the political side of it and the government's, no one really cares about that kind of stuff or wanting to do it. Yeah. I think you have to be quite a nasty person and want to like actively go to war. For me, the, the area where alarm bells are going off is not to do with the actual narrative or you know the, the reason for invasion or, or anything like that. For me, where I start kind of thinking to myself, there's something amiss here, is where you see, for instance, you know, we're all expected to, or not that we're all expected, but that they're saying, you know, you're a really good person if you take in a Ukrainian refugee into your home and we're going to pay you to do it, etc. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to do, but if that was a morally um, right thing to do, we should have been doing the same thing for homeless people for the whole of Western civilization. The fact that this all of a sudden, we should care about um, other people. And we should care about, you know, of course we should care about people in other countries. But again, it's just, it's the lack of consistency. It's the lack of, um, it's the sudden new set of rules. It, it kind of reminds me of um, when it comes to, uh, like, the COVID thing. 
it was like, okay, well, we should be giving young people a vaccine even though they don't suffer from COVID. And the, you know, the response was, oh yeah, but you know, they, old people do suffer. And it's like, well, that's been the case with flu for time immemorial, but right. But we didn't um, say that young kids need to take the, the flu vaccine. So it, you know, it was an example of just new logic, just be, logic being made up in front of our eyes and told, well, yeah, now this is, this is how we should do things. And when I, I'm seeing similar things happen with Russia and Ukraine, it's like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to take, to take um, you know, um, refugees in from Ukraine. But like, that has never even been suggested um, for homeless people. Like, you know, it's the idea that we should just care about them, not, not just, we should care about them more, you know, more than anyone else. It's like, we should care about this more than any other strife in the whole world. And that, that to me just seems like, yeah, like once again, we've got our morals all in a twist. You know, there's, there's no fa- foundational principle here. Yeah, it's like, it's that kind of central authority telling you what is the right thing to do again. And it's like, you're a good person if you do this. And it's like, people don't seem to want to, like, there's so many people that don't seem to want to think for themselves or need to be told what is the good or right thing to do. Where I've, it's like, you shouldn't need to be told to do something good. And that was like the whole thing with like COVID. It was like, if you want to do this, then it's, it's like, you do whatever you think is right to protect yourself and others not it all has to be this one rule and this is the only way and if you don't do it you're a bad person because the government says though so, and it's like how many things have they been wrong about before it just seems like a real bad way to look at things like i said like none of these ideas have been suggested before and i think like the whole thing the other thing with like there's so many people that have like and even the government have been like oh we need to control immigration from like the standpoint of people that were fleeing places like Syria and it's like but then no you're being told to take a Ukrainian refugee in. and then it was the same thing like another thing like I think I can't remember if I tweeted I think I did put a tweet out about it and I was like there was people that went to fight with the Kurdish forces against ISIS and when they come back they got arrested under terrorism charges but now they're telling you to go you can go and fight with Ukraine and it's again it's that but double standard again <laughs> yeah and we seem to have like amnesia as well about what the west has done like you know I, I, again we can we can all agree that like invading a country is unequivocally a bad thing to do um however you know we did exactly the same thing in like iraq and we did exactly the same thing in libya and we did exactly the same thing in afghanistan like these are just just like three really obvious examples and nobody said like for instance oh the the english people or american people should have their assets frozen or you know their bank accounts closed or they shouldn't be allowed to do this or that like we all accepted that our governments did really bad things and actually the the, the similar similarities are remarkable when you think about it because um you know if you believe um putin's uh, what putin says about ukraine is that he is afraid of a risk of um, NATO expansion, essentially putting nuclear weapons into a neighboring nation state. Well, that that's that's literally what we did with Iraq, and we we weren't e- even a neighboring nation state. Um, that was exactly the same thing. We basically went and you know invaded Iraq supposedly because of um, weapons of mass destruction, um, which was in retrospect all a lie. But even the, even the the given justification for it is very similar to, to Putin's. And I, I'm saying both are wrong, but you know nobody. Um, 
nobody kind of virtue signaled about the whole Iraq thing. Nobody said, you know, Americans and or, or you know, the, these countries that invaded that the citizens should have their assets frozen, that we should be locked out of the financial system. Everyone accepted governments did bad things against the will of the people. And that's very similar to what's happening now in Russia. So no matter what you think about what Putin's doing, this kind of really toxic idea that like we should cancel all Russians and, and things and you know, that it's okay to be hateful towards them. It's just so wrong. Like, once again, we're losing our, our moral compass. That's it. Like, from a, like, national level, we have, like, no moral authority to, like, be judging in this scenario. Because, like you said, like, it's in recent times between us and the US, we've done it to so many other countries. And you, people can argue what their leaders were like and what they think it was like there. But you look at these countries now and they were... Arguably, there was a lot better off before we went in there because we we seem to have gone in, done the damage, walked away, and <laughs> left them entirely. Especially like Libya, when you look at what went on there, and yeah, like I said, like I don't understand fully what's going on with the Russia and Ukraine thing, but like people can call Putin, but then like I said, it, it sounds very similar to the whole excuses we give to Iraq, which turned out to be complete lies as well afterwards, mm-hmm. and. You could you could argue whatever you think about Saddam Hussein and that Trump, but that wasn't the excuse given. It was this is why we're going in. Even the first, like I think I also tweeted about the first Gulf War, like the I can't remember the name of the girl, but like they had some girl that like stood up in front of like some US officials and like did the whole story about how Iraqi forces were leaving, like taking babies out of incubators and leaving on the cold floor to die, which turned out to be a false story afterwards. And that's why when I see some of these stories coming out now and you're like, it, it's so hard to believe. It's like, are they, is this actually happening? Or are they saying, because there's very little actual footage coming out. So it's yeah. like, are they just saying these things to try and drum up public emotion to support Ukraine? Or is, is it actually happening and like something needs to be done? And like I said, but as a as a country, we, we don't really have the moral high ground, like you say, because we've we've done enough before in several circumstances. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why you know on an individual level, because first of all, it's very hard to ascertain truth, generally speaking. But on an individual level, I just I bring this right back to okay, what's the right individual personal action to take? And you know, again, not to kind of really hash on this point, but if if taking a refugee is the right thing to do, great, but you know, it shouldn't have taken this to say that taking someone into your home is the right thing to do. You should have, maybe you should have offered your home to a homeless person in the past or or someone else in need, right? Or someone from another country that wasn't Ukraine. Maybe you should have offered it to a, a Syrian or, or, or whatever. Like, we shouldn't be just kind of inventing our um, morality, uh, a kind of moral framework as we go. And, you know, and this is the thing when it comes to, to the Russian thing. And you know, even when it comes to billionaires, like I would get, you know, I, I'm a fundamentalist when it comes to this. We're all saying, okay, we should be, um, we should, be, it's okay to uh, seize the the boats of a Russian billion billionaire oligarch, or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, have they committed? Have they committed a crime? Because if they've committed a crime, we should be charging them with a crime. If they haven't committed a crime, then we shouldn't be seizing their assets because they are not the first people who have invaded uh, invaded Ukraine. And I, I know that there's people out there who will say. Ah yes, but if we do that, it puts pressure on Putin, etc., because they're his, you know, um, they're they're friend, you know, they're kind of oligarchs who are friends with the the Putin regime, etc. Well, there's two things wrong with that. One is that you might actually radicalize these people um, against uh, these countries because they'll be like, well, I just had all my assets um, seized, so you might radicalize them. Um, but second of all, like you have 
no idea whether they have um, like suddenly we're saying they've uh, it was all illicit right these people are oligarchs and all the money they earn was illicit well it's like well what was illicit about it because we never arrested them we've never tried them all of a sudden uh, Russia's invaded Ukraine and all of a sudden we, we have a real problem with the morality or the or the legality of how they've earned their money well if that was a problem we should have dealt with it then so again it's just this it's this constant problem of using it's like everything is being fueled by virtue at the moment it's some some kind of really misplaced sense of virtue signaling is fueling all of our action whereas it actually should be a set of consistent principles 100% like the first thing like my first thought as soon as they started seizing the whole assets off people coming through it here and I'm like again you take a step back and look at the bigger picture and it's like if they can just seize a billionaire's assets just like that then what's to ever stop them taking away everything of yours under the right circumstances for the greater good for something else and well that's the first thing that comes up and then like I said they know this has been going on with all the like criminal activities there's always been stuff around like Russians buying a property in London, it's like it's never been a problem before. They've kind of like let it happen. There's been these loopholes. Like I've seen flaws in these stories, like people go, I think there's a lot of properties around London where there's a loophole you can buy it and it's unanimous. So you don't know who's bought it. But then they're suddenly saying they're all Russian owned. And I'm like, but how do you know? Because the loophole is that there's no name against it and it's some company that's on an offshore account. So how do you suddenly know it's Russian? It, it could be anybody's. And then but then obviously they've been allowing this for so long. And like I said, it's just, it's kind of like virtue signaling again. And it just feels like they're trying to, again, draw public response to the whole thing. And that's what makes me question. It's like, what, what are they wanting people to do? They're clearly wanting us to back some sort of cause. And it, it's kind yeah. of like that, that thing again. It's like, it's all just virtue. And it's like, why is there so much, like take a step back. Why are they wanting so much emotional emotional response from the public like they're clearly leading to something or trying to drive them in a certain direction no i think that that's um pretty much undeniable to be honest like that that is exactly how i see it no matter what you believe about the whole thing there is a real manufacturing of consent you know like um who was it who came up with that word was it um it might have been chomsky it might have been noam chomsky who i disagree with a lot now but I do think that's a. I do think that's a, a really great term, manufacturing of consent, because this is what we're seeing like time and time again. You know, they, they did it with the the COVID thing. Like, uh, this is this is another another point is, you know, they manufactured all this consent with the the COVID thing by really like plugging it on the news and stuff. And as soon as the Russia stuff came about, it was like dropped from the news, and it was basically as if it went away. And I know that you got people out there saying, oh yeah, but there's still cases and stuff. It's like. Yeah, but this is it's in its rightful place now where it should be, where you don't just broadcast how many people have died every day. Um, all of a sudden, its rightful place becomes what's everyone's, you know, when it's not on the news all the time, it's just COVID becomes what your visceral experience of it actually is. Like, how many people do you know who have died of it, etc. Now COVID, now that Russia's come in, it's assumed its rightful place in the public psyche kind of thing. Um I can't remember what what my point was. So I've kind of like <laughs> I've kind of moved off my original point here. But yeah, I get. I guess it's like we've now got a new manufacturing of consent with the Russia thing, um, of of like you said, just rallying people to be behind a cause and and creating all of these really extreme narratives rather than just being honest and saying, look, there's a lot of nuance to this. It's a kind of global 
um, geopolitical conflict, which is actually very difficult if you're not, you know, a probably like a histor. You'd probably have to be a specific historian in Russian uh, history to fully understand it. But you know, the idea is just like, oh well, now we're all just gonna rally behind this cause and pretend that Zelensky is like, you know, this absolute, you know, angel sent from heaven type thing, which, you know, again, I'm not saying that he's not fighting a good cause. Maybe he is. But if you look into this guy, like Ukraine is an incredibly corrupt country, right? Like (laughs) it's actually rated lower on the corruption index than Russia is. So the idea that like, you know, we should just completely trust everything coming out of Ukraine is, is, is just as illogical as trusting everything that's coming out of Russia, right? So like, we have to take everything with a pinch of salt. Um, but just to bring it back around to, to, to your tweet, which we've kind of moved off, but I think is a really good way of addressing it, is that on an individual level, like, um, I need to re- refresh myself of the tweet, but um, yeah, essentially, like, on an individual level, we should be just supporting peace. Like, we should just be supporting, like, not just going along with whatever the power structures are trying to push and... Um, you know, part of that is rejecting narratives from all angles if they don't make sense, not just rejecting it from one angle and, and kind of just running with the media narrative. Yeah, a thousand percent. And like, not to dwell too much on the like Russian Ukraine thing, but like, I feel like, like I said, so many of those at the top, they they all play in the same game. They're all friends. Like when you look behind the scenes, like I don't probably like I listened to a a Whitney Webb podcast few weeks back and it was like a really interesting one and it was looking into like the whole you know the Sputnik vaccine that they had and like the way it was manufactured like obviously seeing part of the deal was with AstraZeneca and then she was looking at a lot of the people who was doing the production and like investors and stuff and like that and it's like maybe this state-owned vaccine but then there was so many like I'm sure it was it was one of the big banks like might have been JP Morgan or something like that was like hugely behind funding a lot of the stuff and they're also helping fund I can't think of the name of there's one large bank in Russia which is kind of like pushing a whole WEF agenda with like social credit and all like the social credit system and they basically own like supermarkets they own like a chain of everything supermarket insurance like all that kind of stuff and they're trying to introduce vaccine passports it's like they're all playing that like I said, when you look at Ukraine as well, the corruption that goes in, like they're funding so much of the US politicians and there's so many other politicians from various other countries when you look into it. And it, to me, they all know this is going on. They're allowing it to go on. Same with the whole Russia funding, like all these homes that they're suddenly bothered about. It's been going on for years. Like If that's your enemy, why are you allowing all that kind of stuff to go on? So to me, it just seems like it's a game they're playing. I mean, there's so much more in common between, like, the governments of Russia and the United States and and these other powers than there is between the individuals in those countries and their own governments, right? So, like, if you want to look for an actual disparity in interests, right, in what our interests are as as individuals, like, the individual interest is totally different from the governmental interest. The governmental interests, of course, they're going to have disagreement between them, but they're going to be much more similar in terms of their interests and then with the people. So that's the area that we should have our skepticism, I think, and people are losing sight of that and getting caught up in this this kind of, you know, um, circus of, of nation-state conflicts. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, individual level is 
that's what it's that like. There was something like I thought about today. I was like, there's such like that gap between what and like when people are hating now, I'm like suddenly hating on Russian people. And it's like so ridiculous. Like there's such a difference between what the Russian government will be doing and what its individuals will be thinking. And I think like I've not travelled massive. I've been to quite a few countries, but there's people that travel a lot more. But like you speak to anyone who's travelled, most countries like you travel. Is there any country you've been to where you said that people are bad? There's, there's, there's not. But the country, the government, and the way it's run could be absolutely shocking. But the people always seem to be great wherever you go. Like obviously you get the odd bad apple, but it's like the people are never whatever country you're in seem to be that bad overall, no matter how bad the government is. And that just shows there's such a break between what a government's and you should never treat people based on what the government are doing. There's a um. There was a quote, and it was by, I think it was Muhammad Ali, you know, when he refused to go and fight in Vietnam. And he said something like, he said something like, you know, um, I don't want to be Joe Rogan, so I won't use the term, but he was like, you know, my government's calling me this and that. Those people over there haven't done that. Why am I going to go and fight these people? They're not my enemy. And he's basically just saying, like, you know, that he's, you know, experienced racism and all this kind of stuff. And um, by by the US government and he was like I'm not going to go and kill my brothers and sisters in this in this country and you know obviously this is I'm not saying it's, it's to to any um, degree it's not to the same degree but I'm what I'm saying here is the principle is similar of like we've just witnessed all of our governments um, try to take all our freedoms away and now are they going to expect us to just go and blindly support a war and go and, and go and give our lives for it I mean it's are the people in Canada who have just had all their assets frozen and they've just, you know, they've just had this this huge movement just quashed under the, you know, Trudeau's jackboot. Um, are they now going to be like, oh, yeah, don't worry, but we'll go and fight your war? Like, m- maybe people will because people won't learn. But I think that ultimately the conclusion we're going to have to come to is that our own governments don't give a shit about us. And the, you know, getting caught up in this kind of, um, into nation state stuff and saying, oh, well, you know, like, I don't like my government, but, you know, th- they're way worse over there. It's like, well, no, if any, if everyone just says, no, like, my go- my own government is trying to enslave me and I'm not going to go and fight for them, if everyone said that, this would just be over immediately, um, you know? And, and like, like you said, like, most people are, are great, like, no matter where you travel, like, I'm sure that, I'm sure that if uh, these people who are saying, you know, cancel all Russians and take their assets. I'm sure if they went over and just visited Moscow or whatever, they'd probably find that the people are really nice and friendly and um, actually that, you know, this corruption is coming from a totally different level. And yeah, we just need to evolve past this, I think. We just need to evolve past this this mentality. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's so like weird how people get sucked back into it. And I think it's going to take a lot. I think I feel like it was getting there with the whole COVID thing. People were starting to say no. And I think it's a whole different game when it comes to the war thing. Like I said, I said, like said off that original tweet, what we were talking about, about if all the soldiers refused to take part in it, it'd end tomorrow. But I couldn't imagine being like, if you're in the middle of it now, like you being the only one to stand up and go, no one hoping everyone else around you. And I'd like to think if, I don't think it'd come to this point, but like if it was like conscription now, I'd like to think that I'd stand up and just refuse it right to even fight in that war because I don't want to go and fight some guy that I don't know for 
someone else's reason and he doesn't even know why he's there either. It's just a lose-lose situation. Like It's the people at the bottom fighting each other and they don't even know why or they don't even believe in the fight by the people at the top yeah. play the games. <laughs> and I guess this is why, uh, you know, I start thinking about, okay, well, what are the ways that you can escape that cycle, right? How, how do you actually escape that cycle? And ultimately, the answer that I always come to is that we need to actually have proper self-custody over our own property and in particular our money because there's always going to, if they, if someone tries to do that and says, well, I'm not going to fight, someone just says, okay, well, you're not going to eat, right? Like your government just says, you're not going to eat because uh, like, if you don't fight, we don't pay you uh, and that's it. Like, I, and that's the best case scenario, right? I mean, obviously the worst case scenario is you go to jail and all the rest of it, but the best case scenario is um, you don't, you don't eat. And this is why I think that people, the, the only way we break this cycle is that we say the government can't switch you off. They can't switch off your bank account. Um, you know, they can't um, just take everything from you. And this is why I think having like a kind of sovereign money is going to be the thing that really changes changes it. Because not only do you have security against that potential to just be shut off financially by a government, and they basically have you by the balls, but you can actually shut the government off <laughs> because they can't print their own money to fund themselves. Unlike right now, if they want to fund a war, they're just going to print all the money they need to fund it. If it gets to the point where they can't do that because they don't have control over the money supply and they need to actually get consent for the people, they're going to have to come to people and say, you know, we're asking you, will you use all of this money, which is completely self-custody and we have no ability to take it by force, will you fund it so that we can go and invade another country, etc.? And everyone will just be like, no, sorry, right? Like if we were, you know, if we were under a Bitcoin standard right now, um, we wouldn't have to do all these sanctions and stuff in Russia because the Russian people could literally just be like, sorry, we're, you know, we're switching you off. We're not paying our taxes. Like that, that would be it. Um, you know, so that, that is ultimately how we win. Cause yeah, obviously, you know, we can talk all day about advancing our kind of moral character to the point where you actually become a conscientious objector and things like that. That is obviously an important part, but it's only going to go so far. I actually don't think that it's, it's possible to have a critical number of people do that. Um, until we uh, escape the kind of fiat paradigm which is holding this whole thing together. I agree on that because, like, obviously I'm not trying to see it as, like, picking myself up, but like, I've, I've been working on myself for a number of years and it's kind of why with some people I've tried not to go on too hard when they fell for certain things because it can be a difficult thing to build yourself up to that level and take that kind of heat off other people, especially when the majority are completely on the other side and you're getting it left, right and centre. And that's why, like, yeah, I think the system needs to completely change. Like I said, whether it be Bitcoin or something, like I said, similar, I think Bitcoin seems to be the front runner for people like having that sovereignty over control over their own money. But yeah, I think we, we need something like that and like I said, reduce that government control. Because you can see, you can see that just constant slow creep towards more and more control over people. And like a lot of us keep shouting about this social credit system, and you can you can just see it slowly creeping in. And I think the longer that goes on, the more the more they get it, the harder it is to become to push back then. Because once they have control over it, to like, can you live in your house or can they just take it off you? Do you have access to money? Can it just be switched off like we've seen in Canada? We've seen in assets being frozen. Can you get food? Like I said, we've seen it with the vaccine passports. If they wanted to 
roll it out and stop you just going simply buying your own food. It's like yeah, they do yeah. have all this control over you. And it's, yeah, like I think until the people start like gaining more control back in their own individual ways, it's going to be difficult to like switch things around. Yeah, my, my worry is that what we've seen recently is such a championing of like sanctions as a tool. And, you know, I do think that sanctions are, are important as a tool, but obviously not when it gets to the point of, individuals and citizens if you want to sanction a government you know like fill your boots like but when it gets down to the level of an individual but we're now celebrating like oh yeah these sanctions have been great we're freezing this random russian billionaires you know assets and stuff it's like it starts with the billionaire right it starts with the billionaire and everyone of course everyone's going to rally around say yeah they're a billionaire yeah whatever take their boat and you know fill their boat with your ukrainian you know refugees and stuff or you know whatever it is but when it actually comes down to it, once you've accepted that, it's it's going to work its way down the scale. It's gonna, first it's going to be billionaires, and then it's going to be millionaires, and then it's going to be, you know, people who have had some kind of diplomatic relation, you know, and then it's going to be, you know, just a celebrity. It might just be a celebrity. It's like, oh, well, this celebrity should be doing more. Before you know it, it's going to arrive at your doorstep. Before you know it, like, this, this system of sanctions is going to be used, and it's like we're already starting to see, again, the manufacturing of consent for using that as a tool like Trudeau kind of started that with the whole seizing of bank accounts thing for the for the truckers protests um but now we're seeing it in the case of Russia and it's really being it's like yeah this is the what a great tool what a fantastic tool um I think there's going to be a bait and switch somewhere down the line where they say oh you know what like we're going to just use the same thing and uh, we're going to just use it on the individual because you didn't do something that the government wanted you know you didn't take your latest booster jab etc I, I don't think that's gone away and you know I know that we're not talking about it much now I think that that will come back at some point. And I think that sanctions, um, you know, are priming the public now to be okay with essentially the government using financial warfare against people who have the wrong, even just the wrong opinion, not necessarily doing the wrong things, just the wrong opinion. Yeah, that like, the inf- you've seen it with like, whether it's COVID or something else, that infrastructure and that precedent's been set now. It's like, they deem that like there's a minimum standard they can go to you now, like straight off the bat. And it's like, well, we've done this before, so why why have you got an issue with it now? And yeah, as soon as soon as you start allowing it, which is why it was so important, like even if like let's just something as when I mean, they were going on about mass, even if they worked, it shouldn't be mandated. Because it's like the second you allow that, it's like the next thing they say that you should have to have, like we said with the vaccine really pushed it and like I said some countries really did go there and like completely shut people out of doing the basic of things unless mm. they took it even down like I said from work to sh- even shopping like again we go back to Canada like some of the stuff in the supermarkets where you had to stand in the booth and tell someone what you wanted you go and buy certain items it's like what is stopping them from pushing that in the future and I think it'll be like I hope it doesn't go that far again over here, but I think they'll try it. But then I think you'll see the rise in certain other countries. Like I, I think there'll be some countries now that probably seen lower down the chain that'll see this as an opportunity and embrace like the freedom aspects and see people like we've like seen it in some of the South American countries, like really embracing like Bitcoin and it kind of like kept a lot of things open. And and I think you'll probably see it in a few African countries as well. Like they'll do the flip side because they've been screwed so much off places like the US and the UK and much of the West 
they'll, they'll see it as an opportunity to like put things in their favour. And I think they'll go yeah. in that real a lot of them. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely going to happen. And, you know, even just like, I think a lot of the African countries in particular, they look at like the COVID thing and they're just like, this, this is just not, um, on the scale of issues, like, you know, they have issues like famine and issues like malaria and like, you know, I don't want to say like real diseases because I don't want to disparage, you know, obviously people who have had COVID and stuff like it can be bad, but like comparatively, we're talking about very, very serious diseases. And I think they look at this thing and they're like, wait, you're going to, you know, you're going to destroy your entire um, economy and your entire, not just your economy, um, obviously the, destroying the economy is, is a really bad thing but it's it's more de- destroying the social fabric of society like your entire op- like kind of modus operandi of like how a society functions and you know like how it morally operates as well uh in terms of you know like not ex- excluding people and all the rest of it and i think africa have just gone like I, like many of us have on an individual level just looking at it and being like this is absolute madness i think a lot of african countries have done that and yeah like you said i think they're gonna they're going to benefit in the long run if they embrace it. Obviously, I, I think that in the short term, they have suffered massively. But I, I really hope that a lot of these countries recognize the clown world of the established nation states. I, I guess that the Western nation states, generally speaking. I hope a lot of them um, kind of recognize them for the clown world they are and go, OK, we're going to move in a different direction. And definitely El, Sal- El Salvador is leading it on that front. I know that it's been kind of within the Bitcoin circles. We've had our eye on it for a while. But now I think that people all over the world are starting to wake up to like what's going on there like this is you know this guy's seriously just said okay we're gonna go in the polar opposite direction um of what everyone else is doing and i think they're going to do really really well out of it and you know maybe other nation states will um kind of follow that lead yeah definitely and like el salvador like i said is probably the biggest example of it and i think going to see several other countries follow suit, whether it be with Bitcoin or something else. I think most will go with, because I think Bitcoin seems the optimum one to go with at the minute, but I've seen other countries exploring various different, I can't remember which one it was that was looking at. It might have been Kenya with Cardano, looking at that and whether, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of Cardano to be honest, but it's like the fact that going in these other directions, completely opposite to what where you're seeing the EU at the minute looking into like bringing legislations against cryptocurrencies and in the US you're seeing it and then you're seeing these other nations going like well that's how we're going to explore these routes because this could work in our favour I think you'll see that big dynamic shift and there'll be like the pushbacks and it could make countries like ours like ours look very silly in the long run I think it's been said that the countries that have gained the most from the kind of fiat paradigm and not even just necessarily talking about money here, but like just in all aspects that the, the kind of like Western kind of quote unquote rich nations, um, they have the most to lose essentially by this new system that's emerging. So they're going to be the last to adopt it, which in a way is going to be a kind of cosmic justice, I think, because I, I'd like to see the poorest country. I'd like to see Africa be the biggest beneficiaries from, um, you know, a kind of uh, a new world where, you know, based on like freedom, you know, for instance, the values of, of freedom and, you know, using like Bitcoin or some kind of stable, um, you know, hard currency, etc. I, I really want to see places like Africa and South America and Central America benefit from this. Um, because 
you know, the, the, the West has their chance to do it, but I don't think they will because they, they see how much they've got to lose from that. And I think they'll be unwilling to lose, like let go of that power. But even when it comes to things like, um, like, like travel and stuff with, with the world going remote and people kind of, um, you know, all like so many people being thrust into a kind of remote career and stuff now, um, like the West um, has no reason to, to open up and become, open up their, their borders in a way, because I think that people are going to really flock out that, you know, people who have um, recently been offered the opportunity to be completely remote and stuff, they're not very likely to go and move to Canada. They're not very likely to go and move to New Zealand or Australia. They're much more likely to move to Mexico or El Salvador or Colombia or, you know, parts of Africa if they can do it. So I think that the incentive structure is there for these countries to really benefit. And I'm glad to see that some of them have started to recognize that opportunity. And I definitely hope that it'll be a situation of like falling dominoes from now. Yeah, I think you've got it like straight on the money there. Like we're gonna see this big shift shift. And I think like I said, the West, like for so long has had like this power structure and been able to control everything. And like I said, I think you're just gonna keep seeing these other countries that have been like either corrupted by the West or held down are gonna see these opportunities and rise up. And like I said, I You've seen so many people, like I said, flock into these countries that probably wouldn't have done before. Like I said, well, yourself, you're there in Mexico now, and you seem to be enjoying yourself. And I've like seen many others doing the same. And like, I don't know. I think it'll continue. I think you you potentially even see it in the US. Maybe some states breaking away. Like, I've got a feeling that's coming as well because you've you've got this big split in the US. And I think there's potential for that as well. Like these states that are standing up for freedoms. I think Texas is probably the highlight of them all. Like, you could see it happening. I, th- I think there's going to be some very big changes coming. And like I said, a lot of people, like, especially, like, we've had it so good for so long, I don't think people realise how good they've had it. So they're so comfortable that they're not even willing to deal with a little bit of struggle to get to something better. Like, if you're like, if you just go through this bit of hard time here, to stop the government encroaching on your life even further. They, they just can't deal with any uncomfortable feeling whatsoever. Whereas some of these other countries, all they've had is struggle. So it's like, let's try this out because it could lead us to something good that people will adopt it. Definitely. Yeah, like you said, there's there's so much change in like, because obviously there is just, you know, the Western countries becoming authoritarian. There's the kind of like, the newest thing is the is the war, obviously. We've got like people who have kind of got these remote careers. I just feel like there's just there's so many um, there's so many reasons that the world is going to change significantly, and this kind of brings it back to what we were saying before of like why this community we've we've built off that was kind of really triggered by, I guess the the straw that broke the camel's back was COVID, and it woke a lot of people up. And I'm kind of you know, I'm glad that we've got a strong community together and i hope that given all the changes that happen in the world we can kind of like you know steer it as best we can into a a positive direction because there is huge opportunity i think that on both sides they've seen a huge opportunity it's like you know the authoritarians have seen a huge opportunity to go ahead with cbdc's and all this you know craziness and you know vaccines every three months and whatever they want to do um but then i think also we've seen an opportunity of saying the world's going to drastically change we need to um, you know, try and steer it in the direction that we want to most align with the values of 
you know, freedom and, you know, individual, you know, sovereignty and prosperity and stuff. So, um, anyway, man, it's been a really, really awesome conversation. So I'm so glad that we did this, but I, I just want to leave it, the floor open to you to just give any kind of final thoughts that you have, whatever you want to kind of get off your chest and also just let people know where they can find you for those who don't. And, uh, then, uh, yeah, I guess we can start rounding things off. Um, it's out like probably other places people can find me. So obviously they're on Twitter. Probably most people will know me as finding me under Ryan Rally O O H at the end. But I'm also I do post on Gab occasionally. But probably the, the other alternative I use a lot is Minds, which I feel is a platform going to grow in a while. So if anyone wants to check Minds out, I feel like that's a really good alternative to something in the future. And probably the final note is. Like people have made it this far and seen for everything, just keep going. Like you've not like gone through two years of hell just to like kind of give up and it just be two years of hell for nothing. And just keep I think if we all keep working on ourselves, keep building ourselves up individually, but keeping connected as well. I feel something's good's coming, but people need to see this is a longer ride than just a couple of years. I think I think we've got a long time to go. But what will come out the other side, I think will be good. I think it'll be 10 times better than what we had before, as long as we fight for it. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, chat again down the line. 100%. Just make sure you've got me back on when, you, when you've got thousands of viewers every time. <laughs> 100%. All right, man. Take it easy. Cheers, man.